I'm excited about uh, our Missions Advancement Week. Uh, This week is always a highlight for me. I think it's the most important week of the entire year because this this is our passion, our passion. We uh, have a desire to see the fingerprints of the Grace Place all over the world. And so we invest in ministers and missionaries and ministries uh, all over the world so that we can have an impact Our church is much bigger than what you see on Sunday morning. I believe there are literally millions that are in the kingdom of God because of our investment in missions, and I'm excited about it. Take it very, very seriously every single year. Try to hear God and hear his voice as to what he would have and who he would have us to have. And uh, this year is no different. I can't remember how long ago it's been now, but several months ago, I guess it was, uh, I was at a minister's retreat, and uh, Pastor Larry Stockstill was, uh, was the guest uh, speaker for our district, and there uh, the Lord just laid on my heart that he was to be uh, our speaker today. And so I contacted him and asked if, I could, if he could come and be with us, and he graciously uh, considered. Uh, just recently read his book on missions. By the way, it's on the on the table out there, and he gives that away. He gives that away. What's the name of that, brother? The Surge. The Surge. All right. And that's a free gift. I'd like everyone to get one. In fact, I've already taken out a book for all of my deacons and all of my staff, and it is required reading for them. All right. So uh, I've, I've already got your book, and I will present it to you. And it's just, it's, it's awesome. It's incredible. Uh, it's my understanding that uh, Pastor Larry's father uh, founded the church, uh, Bethany uh, Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, pastored the church for 20 years, and then the Lord laid it on his heart that his son was to follow him. And uh, Larry had other plans, but God, that was the plan God had for his life. And so Pastor Larry uh, pastored that church for 28 years, and then uh, not too long ago, uh, he uh, passed on the torch to his son. So they have the third stock still uh, at Bethany. Uh, according to what I read in his book, in 28 years of pastoring Bethany, uh, $63 million was invested in missions through this leadership. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That is just, that's awesome. That's mind-boggling. And, and it continues to this day. It just continues to be a missions church. And, and uh, Pastor Larry travels all over the world doing missions work and, and, and planting churches. And uh, I'm just, uh, I was able to spend a couple of hours with him last night at, in a, at a meal and sit down and just love his heart uh, for, for the kingdom of God. And we are, we are privileged. It is an honor today to have with us Pastor Larry Stockstill. Would you come this morning? Would you make him welcome? So glad. I'm excited you're here, brother. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. All right. Boy, after an introduction like that, I can hardly wait to hear myself, to be honest. (laughs) Thank you, Pastor Mike, Pastor Don. Well, we're just really excited to be in Arlington. My uh, son, Joel, lives up in Capel and travels in and out of the airport. He's trying to drag me up here, actually, is what he's trying to do. But just great to be here uh, in South Dallas and see this work. I love your building. How many of you enjoyed the worship this morning? Let's give them a hand, man. That was over the top good. And uh, really excited about your new building and how the Lord has just positioned you here to reach people. And uh, 
I'm also very excited and honored, Pastor, that you'd have me come speak about missions. I speak to pastors all over the world. I was in Brazil uh, last week and in Lisbon, Portugal at the 1st of March for a week. And uh, now that my son is pastoring the church four and a half years ago, he took our church. You know, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. And Jonathan's doing a great job. He was my worship leader 13 years. And my dad just went to heaven uh, a month ago at 97, lived with me for seven years, and uh, I miss him, but I know he's with the Lord, been married now in May, it'll be 40 years to my beautiful wife. We have six children and uh, five boys and a girl. Everybody say, help him, Lord. (laughs) And uh, they're all in our ministry. All six of them are involved in the ministry with their spouses. We have wonderful spouses. My last son's getting married next Saturday to a Dallas girl. A beautiful little Hispanic girl. We're excited about Miriam. So we love you today, and I'm real honored, Pastor, that you'd have me come. Uh, I, I just, when you cut me, I, I bleed missions. When I was 23 and married two weeks, I took my wife to Africa, to Ghana. I was an ORU uh, associate chaplain, and I led their first teams, their first missions teams. We ended up there uh, serving the Lord about two years in West Africa. And no electricity, no running water a lot of that time. And uh, that's, that's really when the Lord spoke to me about pastoring because uh, I came back uh, and at 30 became the senior pastor of our church. And uh, the Lord really showed me how to stretch my faith. He showed me beginning at the very beginning of my ministry that I should increase our missions budget every year. Uh, it was about 400000 when I became pastor. And by the time I finished, it was about $4 million a year. And I'm, I'm really a missionary disguised as a pastor. I think that's what Pastor Mike is. I think he's a missionary disguised as a pastor. But I honor you today, man of God, for your vision. Not too many churches are really thinking about the Great Commission like they should be. and uh, but But we really, really have always at Bethany felt like that. That is the number one thing the Lord has called us to do. I want you to open your Bible with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. I want to read just a couple of verses to you, and then we're going to pray. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 15. I don't think I've ever heard a message out of this passage. It's a great, you know, chapter in the New Testament. But here's what Paul said. He said in 2 Corinthians 10, 15, We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. And here's the verse I really want you to get. But our hope, this is Paul speaking, our hope is that as your faith increases, in other words, he's, he's saying you're the secret, you're the key to Everything I'm about to say is that your faith, personally, you sitting in this building, it is your faith increases, he continued, that our influence or area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. That, that's an interesting thing, that when your faith increases as a believer, the influence of the church is enlarged. You know, God wants to enlarge the influence of this church sitting right here in Arlington, Texas. He wants it to be able to have a regional influence, but he didn't stop there. He said, so that. So he kind of, it's like dominoes. It starts with your faith 
And then it moves to the church's influence growing. And finally, he says, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. Now we see the whole purpose of faith increasing. Yes, it's good to have a new home and a new car and all those things. But actually, it's to grow the influence of your local church so that you may preach the gospel in the regions beyond. Father, we just thank you this morning for the Holy Spirit. And we invite you now, Holy Spirit, to speak through me to the precious believers who are poised and prepared to make their commitment toward missions in this year. Father, we thank you for what you're doing moving on our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Traveling around the world like I do, I've been around the world twice in the last four years. It's 11 flights to get all the way around the world, and I've stopped in Russia and Korea and all different types of places. I can tell you that God is on the move. It is amazing. You can go to a city like Manila with 35,000 in one church, 30 minutes away, someone with 60,000 in the same city. I was just in Brazil, in northern Brazil, right on the Amazon River. In a town of 300,000, 350,000, there's a church of 65,000. In that, in that city, they have 6,500 small groups. They all multiplied in one night. They fired off fireworks over the whole city for a 10-minute period as their groups multiplied. Unbelievable things are going on in Brazil. I was just there uh, two weeks ago. I mean, the Brazilians are going to make it to heaven if they don't run past the gate first. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I mean, they're just on fire for God. And then Nigeria. What can I say about Nigeria. There's a church in Nigeria, a building, I should say, like a big old airport hangar that seats a million people. I measured it with my car. It was 1.1 kilometers long and half a kilometer wide. There are a million chairs under that one building. It takes you five minutes to walk from the edge to the platform. It takes about five seconds in our buildings. This thing is massive, and they pack it once a month. Now they're enlarging it to seat 4 million. Come on, somebody, take a breath. I'm talking about Jesus is on the move. And you say, well, I think Islam's taking over the world. Well, actually, Islam's growing at about 2.7% a year, just like Hinduism and Buddhism. But Christianity is growing at 6.9% every year. We're growing 250% faster than any other, any other religion, the, the kingdom of Jesus Christ is moving. In fact, every week, do you know how many people have been saved since you were here last Sunday morning? According to missiologists, over a million souls have been saved since last Sunday morning when you were in church. That's how many names have been added to the Lamb's Book of Life. I believe angels are working overtime up there just to record all those names, 180,000 new churches are planted every year. Our little organization called the Surge Project has planted 22,000 churches in the last 15 years. I have 400 ready to plant right now. The Lord is moving all across the world. I can't go into it, but just one little more testimony from the Middle East. I know ISIS is terrible, but did you know that they're flushing Muslims out of Islam by the millions? In Egypt, since ISIS arose, Egypt had a million Christians in it before ISIS. Now there are four million Christians in Egypt 
just because of ISIS. Come on now. That's right. In Baghdad, they had a a crusade recently in the main theater. 90% of the Muslims stood for salvation. I just saw a picture of an Olympic pool in Germany where a million refugees have come to Germany in the last 10 months. And regardless of what we think about that, they're there. And I saw hundreds of Muslims in white robes being water baptized. In one church in Berlin, 900 people have been water baptized in the last year. Come on now, say amen. In Algeria, I was with a pastor in Lisbon last month. He, Algeria is the death penalty to be converted. In Algeria, he's got 500 in his church. They've all come by knocking on the door of the church and saying they had a dream the night before Jesus Christ appeared to them and said, I'm the Messiah, and gave them an address to go to, and that's how he's grown his church to 500. One entire village had that dream. In the same night, the whole village was saved. Now, I'm talking about a Muslim country where Jesus is on the move. He said he baptized 86 people in February, two months ago. 86 Muslims. People have worked for 30 years and not gotten one Muslim saved. I heard about three children who were martyred in Indonesia, a Muslim country. Three little teenage girls were martyred. You know, the Lord has raised up three other children in their place. They're all under 12 years of age. One of them is a 10-year-old boy. He's had 10,000 Muslims converted under his preaching. Come on, are you listening to me? Somebody ought to take a breath and give God some praise in here today. And I... You know, I have to be careful because I I could just really, really 45 minutes just be gone telling you what the Lord Jesus is on the move. But I'm talking today about your faith. You know, I turned 60 uh, two years ago. Is there anybody in here over 60? Raise your hand. Uh, Three of you. God bless you. And I learned that your muscles start to shrink at 60 at 2% a year. And Pastor Mike and I play golf. I don't don't like that. My muscles are shrinking. So I started to stretch them. The only way you keep them from shrinking. So in the hotel this morning, you know, I'm stretching like this, stretching my muscles out. And I I couldn't do one push-up last September. I could do one girl push-up. That's pitiful, isn't it? (laughs) So, Pastor, I started, I did one and then two and then three and, and in October, I got up, and I, you know, this morning in the hotel, I did 200 push-ups. Now, come on, somebody. Say amen. And all I did was just stretch myself and keep pushing myself forward. So what that tells me is that faith is a muscle. It's a muscle of your spirit. Just like if you challenge your physical muscles, you wouldn't believe what they can do. But your, your spirit has muscles and it's faith. And if you do not challenge that muscle, it's going to shrink. You're going to shrink about 2% a year, which is what most churches do. They shrink about 2% a year. This one's growing. You've added 150 people in the last few months. Somebody ought to say amen right there. Isn't that awesome? I believe it's because of a world vision. Now, let me just share with you what stretched my vision first. Years ago, I was preparing to preach, and I asked the Lord, Lord, what should I preach about missions? And he reminded me of how many lost people there are in the world. I didn't even know. 
I had to go look it up in the encyclopedia. And let's fast forward to today's numbers. There's 7 billion people on this planet, approximately, a little more than that now. Only 2 billion are Christian, and that counts, half of those are Roman Catholic. That counts cats, rats, front slid, back slid, everybody in the church, okay? 2 billion. How many does that leave that are lost? 5 billion. So if you take that number, 5 billion, that sounds like the national debt or something. I mean, you don't, you, you don't even, you can't comprehend that many people. Let's start a line right in front of this pulpit of lost people. I hope you remember this the rest of your life. How far would the line of people extend out the door and stretch down I-20 of 5 billion people? Do you think it would go to the state of Louisiana? It would from here. Go through Shreveport. Go all the way to Georgia. I think I-20 goes through Atlanta. It would go to the border of the United States, the Atlantic Ocean. In fact, if I could bridge that ocean, it would go all the way to Paris, France. And the, somebody be standing in Paris under the Eiffel Tower and call the first person in line and say, I'm in line back here in Paris. That's how many 5 billion people are. But the line would go all the way over Eastern Europe and even over Russia, 11 time zones. If we, it would go to the coast of Japan, and if we could bridge the Pacific, that line would come all the way back around the world to the coast of California. It would come up I-20 and go all the way through Amarillo and wherever places it goes. And that, that, that line would come right back in this exit. And the last person in line would shake hands with the first person in line. It went around the whole world. Can you imagine how many lost people that is? But the line would go down I-20 again. Circle the world and come back in this door twice. Three times. Five times. 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, 37 times. You know, there's about 37 chairs across this building. So think of this whole building, the grace place. In the equator of the earth, it would be packed with people all the way around the world who are not saved. So we rejoice in how the Lord is moving. In a million souls a week being born again. But my brothers and sisters, we got a big job ahead of us. I know some people theologically say, well, you know, there's no hell. Those people are not going to hell. I heard about a little girl that went to school. And she raised her hand and the teacher called on her. She said, "Uh, when I was in Sunday school yesterday, I learned that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Oh, the agnostic teacher said, we know a whale's esophagus can't expand enough to swallow a human. She said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah if he was swallowed by a whale. The unbelieving teacher said, well, what if Jonah's in hell? The little girl said, well, then you can ask him. (laughs) Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. No, hell is real. But the good news is you don't have to go there. That's a passion that burns in my heart. That's why Pastor Mike is designating a Mission Sunday. Praise God for nice pews and nice chairs and nice church sign. Praise God for all that we do here for America. We're 6% of the world's population. And we've got 5 billion people. And we don't think they're lost. We know they're lost. 
So we got to move. This is the final generation, I think. But it's God's finest hour. It's our moment. But something's got to stretch in us. So this morning, I'm speaking on the subject, Stretch Your Faith. Years ago, I bought a doll for our kids named Stretch Armstrong. Any of you ever seen one of those? It had rubber arms. He had a cheesy grin. You could stretch it out about six feet. So put your hands out in front of you. Come on, everybody. Put your hands out in front of you. And what are we going to do this morning at the Grace Place? We're going to stretch our faith. Okay? Now, this time, do it and slap somebody that's sleeping next to you. Okay? (laughs) What are we going to do this morning? We're going to... Stretch our faith. Now, I want to hear you say it. Come on, what are we going to do this time? We're going to stretch our faith. Come on, clap those hands. Let's give the Lord praise for it. Amen. And that's what you're going to do today. The Lord is going to show you your faith. Your faith is going to stretch into the next 12 months. And you're going to say, God, what can you do? Through me. There's three ways I've stretched my faith. I've been pastorizing, as we say now, almost 30 years. Built a 6,000 seat building, built a 2,400 seat building, all that kind of stuff. All came through the stretching of my faith. How did, you, how did I do that? Number one, if you just want to take just a couple of little notes, this will help you through the year as you make this commitment to missions. Number one, you stretch your faith with a need. Every time I encounter a need, I have an option. I can either shrink and run from it, or I can stretch and overcome it. And that need actually is the Lord allowing you the opportunity to stretch your faith. I like to have all the money I need. I don't like to have a need financially. I don't like to have a physical need. Or one of my kids not serving God, but occasionally the Lord allows a need to come into your life. Why? Why does he let a need enter the fence, the protective hedge around your life? It's because he knows, number one, that you have the strength to run that thing out of that fence again. But number two, he knows that your faith is going to move to another level when you conquer that particular need. When Jesus was going to feed 5,000 people. He looked at his disciples and he said, you give them something to eat. Now, he already knew what he was going to do, John said. But he said, you give them something to eat, trying to evoke in them the stretching of somebody's faith. Well, of course, Philip raised his hand and said, Lord, you know, if we had a whole year's salary, we could only give everybody one little tiny bite. I'm sure the Lord said, thank you, Philip, for that information. And then Andrew walked up with a little lad. He had five loaves and two sardines. And Andrew said, Lord, this little boy's got a little tiny lunch. Is this enough to get started? Now, that's a man who stretched his faith. Because when you see 5,000 hungry men sitting on on a hillside, five little old biscuits don't go very far. I remember the story in the New Testament. The Old Testament, rather, of Elisha. The prophet was approached by a prophet's wife. The prophet had died, and she had two little boys. And in those days, if you were in debt, they took your children to work in a work camp. (laughs) Probably we'd stop charging so much at the mall if that was the case, right? 
And he said to this woman, he said, what do you have in your house? She said, I have a little pot of oil. He said, that's perfect. We're going to stretch our faith. He said, I want you to go and I want you to borrow all the vessels in your whole neighborhood, every pot you can find. Put it in your living room and I want you to close the door because it's going to look mighty stupid what you're going to do. I want you to start pouring in the first big vessel out of that little pot. And she did that. Now that took faith to go borrow vessels when all you got is a little tiny pot. I'm showing you the power of that muscle. And so then she closed the door and began to pour. And she filled, we don't know how many vessels. But what we do know is that when she came to the end of the last vessel, and it was like she hooked to the Alaskan pipeline. I mean, it was amazing. But as she came to the bottom, she said, go get me one more vessel. They said, we don't have any more. As the oil reached the lip of the top of that vessel, it stopped. That tells you that the size that you stretch your faith is the size that God will provide and no more. See, so you say, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord to bless me and help me. No, God's waiting on me. He's got all the provision. He's just waiting on me. I remember we were going to build a dormitory in Kenya for some pastors. And um, we let the need be known. It was $150,000. Bethany was going to give some toward it. And a man in Mobile, Alabama at his church decided to help. And he said, Lord, help me to to give toward that dorm. Well, he worked in an oil recycling business. And one day he was at the refinery and noticed a leaking pipe in that refinery that was dripping crude oil, unrefined oil. He said, "Um, why don't y'all fix that leak to one of the managers? He says, well, we've analyzed it. And if we try to fix it, we have to close half of the refinery just to stop one little drip. It's not cost effective. He said, can I have that leak? The guy said, sure. So he put a barrel under it. And every few days he came back, the barrel was full. He sold that oil, kept swapping out barrels for months. You know, he sold enough oil from that leaking pipe sent us a check for $150,000. He paid for the whole dormitory in Kenya from a dripping pipe. How many of you know God's got a leaky pipe for you somewhere? Right? See, the need attracts the resources. Jack Haynes is in our surge project. He's the regional director over the Eurasia or the area out in Indonesia. A little boy in his church named Jackson six years old, made a faith promise for $6,000. And Jack got that card, Pastor, and he looked at it and he thought, that's sweet. But he knew little Jackson couldn't do that. He said it over on the side. Well, you know, at the end of a year, Jackson had not gotten any birthday presents. He's told his relatives, I don't want a birthday present. I want money for missions. He sold Christmas cards at the church. He baked cookies and he sold them. Do you know how much that child had given to missions after 12 months? $6,000. Now it's up to $10,000. Whole churches don't give that much to missions. But a six-year-old child that stretched his face. Let me tell you, God's got all the resources. He's just looking for somebody to, come on, say it out loud. Stretch your faith. Number two. You stretch your faith with a dream. I'm just touching on these. 
Because I'm telling you that my needs in my life have forced me to stretch. Number two is when I get a picture in my mind of something that's impossible to me, but possible to God. When I see what God sees, my faith stretches. You know, Abraham was in his tent trying to figure out how he was going to have a baby. When you're, you know, 99, how do you have babies when mama's 90? You're both on Medicare, both toothless. <laughs> how, how do you go about having a baby? And the Lord, actually at 75, called him out of his tent said, Lift up your eyes and look at the stars and start counting them. See, God is stretching him. Get out of that little finite tent where you are. Come outside, and, and, and it couldn't even begin. It was millions. God said, that's how many children I'm going to give you. He believed the Lord, and God counted to him for righteousness. And now the Jewish nation is from that revelation, that night, under the stars. Lester Sumrall, great leader, apostle, told me, how he was able to buy a C-130 plane when he was in his 80s and an ocean-going ship. He said, fulfillment in life comes not from living in a house, but building that house. When you're building it, you're excited about the construction. You see the roof going on. And probably like when you built the Grace Place, I'm sure the pastor was so excited about it. But when, he, you, when you get it finished, you sit in the recliner with 500 cable channels. He said, that's not fulfillment. He said, always keep a dream. You know, the Bible says your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. I'm still seeing visions. That's how I know I'm a young man. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> but you need a vision. Some of you have lost your vision. You've been through a nightmare experience and you've lost your dream. God wants to give you your dream back. I remember having a dream once of paying for a Reinhard Bonnke crusade. I don't know if any of you have heard of Reinhard Bonnke. Great German evangelist. He's seen 60 million people saved in the last 15 years in Nigeria. Amazing man of God. I know him. I've had him many times at our church. And I always thought, Pastor, if I could just pay for one of those crusades. So I sent him an email. How much does one cost? I thought maybe eighty dollars or $100,000. He sent me the detailed budget. It was a million dollars. I thought, oh, even God doesn't have that much money, Lord. I told the church my dream. And they laughed when I said what I just said. But one young man sitting in the back. He's in his 30s. He lifted his hands. He said, God, if you'll give me that million dollars, I'll pay for that crusade. No idea how to get it. Two weeks later, his company, an investment company he worked for, approached him to be the spearhead of a project, raising, I think it was $100 million in capital in the United States. They said, if you're able to do that with a team that you assemble, We'll give you any budget, any bonus, rather, that you want. He said, I know what I want. I will accomplish it, he said, and I want a million-dollar bonus. Well, they laughed at him. They said, for what? He said, to pay for a Reinhard Bonnke crusade. Of course, they didn't even know who that was. One year later, he tapped me on the shoulder. He said, Pastor, I got the money. 
And I didn't even remember what he was talking about. It had been a year. I said, what money? Oh, ye of little faith. He said, I got the bonky money. Who do I make the check out to? I said, me, of course. No, not really. I said, Brother Bonky, let's, and we flew to West Palm Beach and found him in a home where he was speaking and put that check in his hand for a million dollars. He said, would you go with me to the crusade? And nine of us went to a field in Nigeria that they had cleared, took a month. Half a million people were standing on that field. No chairs. They walked for hours and stood for five hours a night. On Tuesday night, I was on the platform with the young man who gave the million dollars as nine blind people came forward that were healed. One was blind his entire life. His family was with him. He chased Brother Bonky all around the stage. In five nights, you know how many people were saved? 1.1 million souls came into the kingdom of God and filled out a decision card from a bonus. A bonus. The company never missed it. Now I'm talking to somebody in here today. The Lord is stretching your muscle. And it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. Because God is going to stretch you the rest of your life. You're not going to die atrophied somewhere spiritually. You're going to be strong. And growing. And increasing, like my daddy at 97, planting churches. He, with his final money, he planted six churches in Moldova. Cleaned out his bank account. Come on, somebody. Now we come to the last one. I stretch my faith with a seed. I start with a need. I don't really care for that one, but it happens anyway. And then I stretch my faith with a dream. I can do that one. I can ask the Holy Spirit to give me something bigger than me. And then... I take my dream and I put it in a compressed capsule form called a seed. My seed is my dream in a capsule form of a child being saved that's on drugs or a sickness in my body I need healing or a payment I need to make. And I take a seed and I put it in there and compress my dream. You know, a seed is not meant to be eaten. It's meant to be planted. Take a peach seed. Try to eat it and digest it. The body won't digest seed on purpose. It's meant to be planted, not eaten. God gives you resources of time, of talent, and sometimes treasure. It is an opportunity for you to plant your dream. And I have watched the Lord do amazing things. Think of the lady in the Old Testament who she and her son went out to pick up a few sticks, build a fire, and with the little flour left in her meal barrel, make the last pancake of their life. And up walks a bearded prophet, Elijah. He said, would you give me a drink of water? She did. He then said, do you have something to eat? She said, I'm going to pick up my last sticks to build my last fire to cook my last pancake and my barrel is empty. He said, thus says the Lord, make me a cake first. 
And I bet she thought of all the audacity I've ever heard. (laughs) But she thought, what do I have to lose? So she made it, and I bet she looked at him with little old beady eyes (laughs) as he ate her last pancake. And then he said, now check your barrel. When she opened the lid, it was full. And she and he and the little boy ate for many months from a full barrel that came from one seed. Now, I'm just telling you here today, the seed is where the power of God is released in your life. I was in Mexico, minding my own business, preaching a conference in Monterey. Very dangerous down there. A couple got up to testify. They were from the Dominican Republic. They spoke Spanish, and the lady was speaking, an interpreter was interpreting for me. She said, I'm a former prostitute from Amsterdam. She said, I got saved there. I came home to the Dominican. She started crying. She said, I met this man, and we got married. She married a pastor, and I thought, that is awesome. A prostitute gets married to a pastor. And the Lord spoke to me about a seed I should plant in that couple toward a car, a particular amount, and it was a good bit for me. My first thought was, I rebuke you, devil, in Jesus' name. (laughs) But then I realized that the devil never tells me anything good to do for anybody. And then I thought, well, Melanie's not down here. And, you know, I'm the head, but she's the neck that turns the head. Come on, ladies. The Lord said, I didn't ask you to talk to Melanie about this. And I wrote that check. I put it in an envelope. And after the service, I went to them. Here was my third line of defense. I asked them, did they need a car? I was hoping they'd say, "Uh, no, no, we don't. They bowed their heads and cried and said, we do need a car to get up in the mountains of four-wheel drive. So I said, well, I'm not going to give you the whole car, but I'm just going to plant a seed to begin the fund. I didn't think any more about it. When I got home, I discovered that I had lost a crown in Mexico. And I'm crowned with many crowns. I don't know about you. And I went to a dentist, a Christian dentist, and I'm laid back in the chair. And I noticed a scripture on on the wall as he was preparing the temporary crown. It was Psalm 81, verse 10. It said, open thy mouth wide. And I will fill it. So he comes back in. He says, I've got good news. Your insurance pays half of this crown, $250. He said, Merry Christmas. I thought, wow, that's awesome. Well, I'm on my way home. The Lord spoke to me, and he rarely speaks to me, but he did. He said, you pleased me when you were in Mexico. And I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you can't contain. I didn't give it to receive. I gave it to obey. God is my witness in the next 60 days. That was Thanksgiving 2012. End of January 2013, 40 times the amount I gave that couple had come to my wife and I from the strangest, most bizarre sources. I could, I could stand here all day and tell you about it. In fact, that entire year, the blessing came from one seed. So I'm in Arlington looking for a place to sow seed. Anybody need a seed in here? Okay, no hands up. So Okay, we're safe. <laughs> Can can I just tell you a final story? 
And I, I could preach a long time, but we're, we're ready to do something for missions. You're going to have to stretch your faith now. You can't, well, last year I did. I know that's last year. You'll shrink by 2%. You've got to say, Lord, my pastor last night at supper told me what he and his wife are going to do. They're stretching their faith big time. They won't tell you what it is. They're stretching big time. That's what blesses me. Not when a leader says, you do it. He told me what he's doing. I heard about a team that went to Brazil to capture a snake. And I was just there. It's the Bushmaster snake. I don't know if you've ever seen one. I saw one in the New Orleans Zoo. They're 12 feet long. They're very deadly. And they're the most dangerous viper in the Western Hemisphere. They strike and hit you in the forehead. And you're dead in just a matter of minutes. A team went to capture one and, and finally caught one, put it in a crate and put it under the cargo hold and started up the Amazon. I was just there. I saw the Amazon. And on the way, they checked that crate every few hours to be sure, you know, that their cargo was safe, that snake. One of those routine inspections, they saw the lid was off that crate. He was out. He was somewhere on the boat. And they began to check with flashlights and machetes each deck carefully, the main deck, no snake. Finally, they pulled the lid back, and about eight inches of water were down there in the cargo hold, and two very brave men, unlike myself, <laughs> jumped in that water. And with flashlights and machetes, they started searching through the whole cargo deck, and they saw the snake up ahead. He wasn't moving. And one of them just touched it with his, with his uh, machete. They didn't want to kill it. That's why they went down there. And the snake didn't move. He kept touching it, and they realized it's dead. One of them raised his flashlight. And you'll never believe what was at the head of that snake. It was an old stray mama cat with her two kittens on either side. She killed that snake. You say, how did she do it? I don't know. Maybe she scratched his eyes out. I don't know how she did it. But I know why she did it. Because he went after her two babies. And as the scripture says, if mama ain't happy. <laughs> that's not in the Bible, but it ought to be. You, you. <laughs> See, here's the point of this story. If you have a big enough reason why... You will always figure out the how. 37 lines around this world. 5 billion lost people. And here we are in a prosperous nation. This morning, you're going to figure out the how. Father, as we move into this season of making our commitments for this year, let our faith stretch. Put your hands out as wide as your faith is stretching right now. Would you do that? Father, I ask you to bless businessmen and bless housewives, even bless six-year-olds. Bless anybody whose faith is enlarging, stretching, expanding for the work of the gospel to populate heaven and plunder hell. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.